ownership is about a couple different things. Before you can actually even make sure that you can give ownership over, you need to make sure that they understand what it is that they're taking on, that they have the training and the support and the tools and all of those things. But more importantly, you have to empower them. You're listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, a series for entrepreneurs who want to escape the day-to-day grind while scaling their business to seven figures and beyond. And now, your hosts, Brianne Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. So I know that today we're going to be talking a lot about team as it relates to business, but I do have one team-related question before I get we get too far into the, the business stuff for you, Brianne. I haven't asked this in a, in a while. Okay. What's your favorite hockey team doing? Oh, do we have to talk about this? Do we, do we really, <laughs> like, you couldn't have asked me this any other season, any other year. No, maybe we should talk about, like, Team Jill versus Team Brienne. Maybe that would be <laughs> definitely better than talking about the season that the Calgary Flames are having this year. And if you are a Canucks fan or an Oilers fan, I just don't want to hear it. I I just don't want to hear it. I am going to sit here on my coastal BC cone of shame and just not talk to anyone until after this season is over and we're into next season and maybe the Flames will decide to show up to play. That's what I have to say about my favorite hockey team. Wait, how can you sit on a cone of shame? In a cone of shame. Oh, in. Okay, that makes more sense. (laughs) That just sounded painful. I'm not entirely sure how we ended up on the West Coast, surrounded by all these Canucks fans, but I live with a representative of Team Jill, and I'm Team Brienne, so I guess allegiances don't mean everything. (laughs) And how exactly am I supposed to take that? You know how in episode, was it episode 10 of last season, we talked about Team Brill and how that needed to be a thing? I actually think that there's a third team that we haven't talked about. There's Team Jill, there's Team Brianne, and then there's Team Spencer. Team Spencer? Yeah. 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 The problem is that Team Spencer is going to immediately outnumber all of the people in Team Jill and Team Brianne. Did did you notice when we were away for vacation and we were gone that week? Yes. One of our clients posts on Slack and says, I credit Spencer with all of my success this week. And so, yeah, we're done. We might as well just pack up. The cat is now getting credit for everything good that happens in our clients' lives. I will just say that that Team Spencer, as being a team cat, is in alignment with Team Jill. That's What is it? There's a special phrase when... Alliance, allegiance. Yeah, alliance. You've got an alliance, alliance. between. <laughs> there's an alliance I've between. Got, there's an alliance between Team Jill and Team Spencer. All right. Good thing we're not talking about that kind of team today. We're not talking about <laughs> allegiances or alliances. But what we are going to talk about is the thing about team. And the number one question that we get asked every time. We talk about team, and it was a hot-button topic that came out of last season. And that question is, okay, I hear you guys talk about team and giving ownership to team members, but how do I actually do that? Because I thought I was doing that, and I'm clearly doing something wrong because I'm still working too much, burning out, and making too many decisions. So, you know, for me, if this always comes back to the two analogies that we tend to rely on, we, I think we talked about both of them in season one between the hub and spoke and the dog walker. Uh-huh. 
I'll start off with the dog walker. And, and this is how we find that teams naturally get built and almost feel like for a lot of people as they go through their scaling journey with their business. And if you imagine yourself as the dog walker, and you've probably seen a dog walker go down the street with a number of dogs on various leashes, trying to keep them all going in the same direction. And one's barking at a tree with a bird in it, and the other one's trying to, I don't know, pee on a fire hydrant. It's a fairly typical Mm -hmm. uh, dog image. There's two others that are play fighting and are getting tangled in your legs. And this poor dog walker is looking so harried and so frustrated because everything is happening and it's there's no control. Yeah. And quite often we hear people talking about, we hear entrepreneurs, we hear our clients talking about their teams in very similar formats where they're like, I know they're off doing things. Uh-huh. Right? I know that my one team member's off doing social media posts and this other team member's over here and they come back to me with all of these questions, but it's all just a mess. Yeah, I feel like all the information is still running through me. I'm the bottleneck. And I've, uh, the thing that I hear quite often when it comes to this topic of giving ownership to team members is, you know, I've given them ownership. I've taught them and I've I've told them that here's the, the outcome that I want. It's your job to make the outcome happen. But I remember talking with someone not that long ago who had done this and said, it feels like a black box where if that person left or if they got sick, the work that they do, I have no idea what they do, how they do it. No one else would be able to step in. And it was really uncomfortable because he's like, I've given ownership. So this stuff is happening without me knowing. And I feel like I've created all of this risk for the business. And so there's a a middle ground here, right? Between being in there and dictating everything that your team does, micromanaging, versus having this black box scenario. And somewhere in the middle is a solution that doesn't end up with you being a dog walker. And not only that, the other thing that often comes up, and this is where that second analogy of the hub and spoke comes in, that I hear quite often is this idea of all the information's coming through me, but also too, I'm the one that's always having to drive everything. Mm. I'm the one that's always having to start conversations. I'm the one that's always having to keep things moving forward, to ask about how a project's going, to come up with new ideas, to start conversations. Mm-hmm. and. That's where the hub and spoke model comes in. The entrepreneur is the person in the middle. They're the ones that are attached to the drive shaft, pushing the wheel forward. Mm -hmm. And all of the team members are the spokes coming off of it, being pushed by and and directed by the hub. And it's this idea that information goes out, stuff happens, information comes back in. Then information must go back out, and then stuff happens, and then come back in. But it's this process of stuff going back in and out constantly, which, again, the analogy that we've used several times is air traffic control and you spend all of your time trying to just make sure the pieces are moving in the right direction. And what people often will say is the solution is to just hire a project manager to get the project manager to move all of the pieces in and out. Or an OBM or something along those lines. Right. Exactly. And, And what happens in that case is that all you've done is actually just move the bottleneck. You haven't removed the bottleneck. You've just taken you from being the person that's doing all of the information coming in and out, and now it's someone else, which creates that black box problem. Because what happens if that person goes away, 
you haven't solved the underlying problem, which is information is being routed through a single source. And that's what we need to figure out how to solve when it comes to team ownership. Jill, I know that what we're saying here today is <laughs> you've had this conversation almost daily, I think, with our clients. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And almost more than once with every client, because there's levels. There's always going to be levels and there's always going to be layers. And there's always things that need reinforcing because I'll be honest, capitalist America teaches us a certain way of leading and teaches us a certain way of managing. And it doesn't necessarily lead towards ownership as Mm -hmm. you and I tend to define it, which means that things get really confused and conflated in a lot of cases. Well, because the messages that we're taught and the way that we're told to think about management is contrary to the process of ownership. And it it creates habits, habitual ways of thinking about how we should engage with our team. So let's imagine that I'm a client and I'm coming to you, Jill, because I've got someone who is supposed to launch a new campaign that we're doing on social media. And I'm giving them ownership of that in my mind. And I come back two weeks later and I look at what they've done and I'm like, this is a disaster. It's a mess. It's everything I can do (laughs) to not flip out because it's just not the way it should be. Clearly this ownership thing didn't work the way I anticipated. So I'm a client, I come to you with this mess and there's two things, right? Number one is how do I fix it without just jumping in and solving it, which is what we talked about on our last episode. And number two, how do I make it so this doesn't happen again in the future? Let's start with the first one. So yeah, <laughs> I've got a mess, Jill, help me. Like, how do we solve this? <laughs> Yeah. And so there's two things. So first off, I'm just going to congratulate you and the team member on the fact that there is a mess. Because quite often what happens in this situation is that you come back and you don't have that information waiting for you or you don't know that's happened. Right. Like there's shame, right? Yeah, exactly. There's shame, but there's also this, I'm going to say that it's an unknowingness in its own way in that we have, and, and again, hearkening back to season one, we have a certain expectation for the result. Mm-hmm. 99 times out of 100, that expectation hasn't been made clear to our team member. Mm-hmm. And as such, they aren't holding the same level of expectation. So they think everything is going amazingly. Mm-hmm. And when you are able to actually find out about it, you're like, why didn't you tell me about this sooner? And they're going to be going, I thought everything was okay. Not that you and I have ever had that conversation. No, not at all. <laughs> not that ever. there's ever been situations when I've held an expectation and Jill brings something. We, we talked about the whole, what does a plan look like in season one? That was a good story. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to that one. But okay, so, and it's interesting, right? Because sometimes the business owner will come back and it's still a, you know in progress, right? There's still time to fix it. But sometimes mm-hmm. it's like, I didn't find out about this until way too late. In either of those cases, though, I think what you would say to me as a client is probably pretty similar. Yeah, it is. And the very first thing really is my question for you would be, what was your expectation going in? Right. So I expected that we would have this social media campaign that would go out. It would be like, 
I'm totally going to role play the client here. Like, I, I don't know. It just, it should have looked right and it shouldn't have had any errors. And the problems were that there was, a, there was typos that weren't caught. And if you look at what they put out, it doesn't really look like what we've done in the rest of our social media. And the stuff went out on the wrong day. And I look at the, the numbers that we should have been hitting and the numbers just aren't there. And it's all just a mess. Okay. For me, the next thing I would be asking is basically, how did how did you set the team member up? What and did I, you communicate? I think what's really clear from just even the example I gave, and I'm overplaying it, right? It's That was an extreme example, but it's things that most of us have said at some point where it's, it's Gina Wickman that says most entrepreneurs have a vision. The problem is that they think everyone else in their organization can see it too. He says that in the book Traction. And even from the way I was describing what my expectation was, was very clear that I was not clear on what the expectation was. I knew no. it was wrong. <laughs> yes, but you didn't, you couldn't articulate how you couldn't articulate what was right, which is why the first, the next question for me is like, how did you communicate this with them? Because maybe with me, because you're all flustered and that kind of thing, yeah. you're not able to articulate it. But how did you tell them about what you were expecting them? Yeah. The, the biggest thing that I find in these kinds of situations is that lack of clarity on mm -hmm. what the expected result needed to be. Yeah. And needed to look like. Now, sometimes that gets wrapped up in we don't have brand standards and as such we don't know that certain words need to be capitalized or it should be a certain font or there should be a certain amount of white space. Mm -hmm. But on other circumstances it's like you didn't even articulate what you wanted to accomplish with this campaign. Mm -hmm. Like what was your end goal? One well, and part of it too sometimes is it's very easy that it doesn't look the way I expected, but it may have still got the intended result. And while it might not have been accomplished the way you wanted it accomplished or the way that you would have done it, that's not a requirement. Yeah. Right? They are not you. And quite rightly so. We've had conversations on Facebook Lives about how we don't want clones of ourselves. Yeah. Because clones of ourselves are just going to end up having the same problems and the same needs and the same things that need to be filled in mm -hmm. that we do ourselves. Yeah. So let's let's go back to our, our scenario here. We're in a situation now where something needs to be resolved. And my first instinct is to jump in there and solve it, to fix the problems. And I've got you, I'm pretending, again, I'm pretending to be the client, right? I've got Jill <laughs> in the back of my head saying, don't just jump in and solve the problem. This is an opportunity to give them ownership. Coach me through that conversation. How do I actually have that conversation to rebuild that trust and to make sure that stuff gets done right this time? Yeah. And that's the very first thing, though, is that it needs to be a conversation, hmm. right? It's not just you sitting down with someone or being on Zoom with someone and saying, this is all the things you did wrong. <laughs> right? It's not? That's, no, it's not. <laughs> it's not just sitting someone down across the virtual desk from you and berating them about all the things they did wrong and how I can't even believe that you would bring this to me. I, 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 I just, what were you even thinking? Clearly, it didn't show a lot of intelligence. To We shouldn't say that out loud like my boss did to me once upon a time. Yeah, no. Don't do that. <laughs> okay, Please. good. I'm glad we're clear on that. 
<laughs> no, what you want to do instead is you want to invite them to the discussion, right? Mm. You want to invite them to the conversation of, okay, I gave you responsibility for this. This was my expected result. Mm-hmm. Does that match what you think I told you? Number mm-hmm. one, right? Get clear on where the expectation mismatch happened. Find that gap. Essentially, we're doing a gap analysis for those of you that are a little bit more of the technical background. We're finding out where we had that mismatch of expectations. Mm -hmm. And then what you do is once you find that out, and maybe there wasn't a mismatch, maybe it was you had the same level of expectation, but they had a different understanding of a skill set. Yeah. That's a training piece. That's easy to fix. Maybe it was simply the same expectation, but there was a situation where they weren't able to execute to that level of execution because something else went wrong or they didn't have the tools they needed or they were overwhelmed with other tasks and responsibilities. We can't assume the reason is that they simply messed up and it's their fault. Yeah. Yeah. First, the very first thing we have to find out is their side of the story. And that's where we start with the expectation match. That was, And like you said, if, it's, if the expectation match was there, mm-hmm. then why were they not able to complete it? What happened? What? And maybe it was that there was something on our end. Maybe they didn't have all the information they needed. That's totally valid too. One of the things that I think is really valuable, actually, as you enter into this conversation is as a leader to assume good intent, to assume mm-hmm. that they intended to do a good job, to fulfill the expectation. They probably, if you have the right team members, they probably intended like to blow you away or at least for you to be happy with what they did. And for me, I always want to enter in these conversations and assume good intent, which means that my question is always going to be, where did I mess up? How did I yes. not give you what you needed? You know, how could I set you up for better success? What didn't I do? It's interesting, actually, because what we're seeing and saying in that is that the process of giving ownership to a team member is actually a process of taking ownership for our part in their result. It's about taking responsibility for making sure that they are set up for success. And you're right, like how many employers or employees out there, even if they're not happy with their situation, are going to go out and do a, or intentionally do a bad job? Yeah. Pretty much zero. And if right? that is the case, then I don't know why they're still working for you. Exactly. <laughs> because it's that, never the that should have been dealt with long time before. Exactly. Like we're talking about a situation where this isn't the norm and where you've genuinely got a good team member. Yeah. And or, or a new team member. Or a new team member. And really you want to be giving that benefit of the doubt and allowing them to bring forward and say, this is what I see is going on. And the next step from there is to give them the opportunity to propose a solution. And this kind of goes back to where we started off with when we first started the role playing. Our first thought is, I need to go in and fix it all. Mm -hmm. I need to go in and make it better. Mm -hmm. And that does not give our team member the opportunity to learn to do better for themselves. It doesn't give them the opportunity to learn to understand us better. It doesn't give us the opportunity to learn about how we can better set them up for success. It disempowers, in a lot of ways, actually both of us. Yeah. 
because we're taking away the opportunity. I think that's such a good point because this whole idea of learning to lead our team members, learning to communicate with them, learning to set expectations and to give ownership, the the process of giving ownership is a skill. It is a skill that gets actively developed and practiced and honed and refined. It's not something that you just wake up and it's like, I'm going to give ownership and all of a sudden you do it perfectly. I don't do it perfectly. You don't do it perfectly. We are continuing to learn because this is part of human dynamic. It's part of human relation and there is no perfection. There's just the pursuit of doing it better. So how do we prevent these problems from cropping up. Ownership is about a couple of different things. Before you can actually even make sure that you can give ownership over, you need to make sure that they understand what it is that they're taking on, that they have the training and the support and the tools and all of those things. But more importantly, you have to empower them. You have to empower them to make the decisions about how the result is achieved doesn't have to be about what the result is. In fact, most of the time it shouldn't be. Most of the Mm -hmm. time you want to be saying that's where we have that clear expectation. Mm -hmm. But you want to empower them to be able to make the decision for themselves on how they get there. There's a difference between saying this is the outcome, now you figure out all the details, versus saying this is the outcome and these are the success markers or the success measures. So not just what's the outcome, but what are the characteristics of an outcome that's done appropriately? Yeah, exactly. And it's exactly that. I actually had this conversation with a client earlier this week and the it actually revolved around creating SOPs and how most standard operating procedures are actually about, most people think of them as creating actually a how-to yeah, or a step checklist. By step, yeah. Or a checklist. And actually, SOPs aren't that. Mm-hmm. SOPs are about the high level what, the what's, as we call them, that need to be accomplished and the adherent wins that go along with it. And the question came up is like, what about the situations when we have to tell them how it needs to be accomplished? It has to hit certain criteria. Well, mm-hmm. criteria are what's. Mm-hmm. What is the criteria? Right. In the example that we gave about, you know, someone doing a social media campaign, if you have a brand standard, then one of the criteria for this campaign is it has to be done in alignment with our brand standards and our brand criteria. Exactly. That's not a how. We're not telling them how to be in alignment. Mm -hmm. We're not telling them how to go through and make that happen on Google Docs or in Pinterest or whatever. We're telling them what result they need to align to. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what's really interesting is when you define an outcome, I find it really useful. And this, of course, is dependent on the scope of the the undertaking, (laughs) right? If this is just a a simple task, you're not going to want to have an hour-long conversation and discussion about what does success look like. But if this is a project or a campaign or something larger, it's absolutely worthwhile to have a conversation and to sit down. And rather than you just saying, this is what I expect from you, to be able to instead have a conversation and say, this is what I slash we want to achieve, 
tell me what you think it looks like when we get there and let's have a conversation about what we think it could look like, what we think the output could look like and come to an agreement on that and then they can go off and actually make it happen. And then you can actually let them take charge. And the big piece here is to then to step back and to not, as we, we talked about in the last couple of episodes, not be the air traffic controller. What this does is it makes it clear what I, as the leader slash manager, am allowed to push back on. You know, we talked about that example of what happens if they still met the goal. Like they still met the goal, but it wasn't in the way I would have got there. That ultimately isn't a problem provided that my major criteria were met. So I can have a project like this campaign that we're going to launch and I have a conversation with the team member and we say, okay, so this campaign needs to follow our brand standards. It should incorporate at least three different social media platforms. We want to prioritize sending people to our email list for the first third and then to uh, direct to a sales page for the final two thirds. And maybe there's four or five different criteria that that we put on what success or this campaign looks like. At the end of that campaign, so long as those things were adhered to, it's essentially created a contract between me and the team member, right? It was like, if you did these things, I don't have the right to complain that you did it wrong because you did exactly what we agreed to. Jill's laughing because she's made me sign contracts like that before and like initial them and countersign them and like, uh, yeah. (laughs) Well, that's that's where our understanding of ownership really started from, Mm -hmm. was from that whole misunderstanding of what a plan was and the literal contract. I still think, I still have that paperwork (laughs) that we created about how to go forward from that point. You know, Spencer really loves playing with paper and tearing it to bits. I'll bet if I were to sneak into your office and find that contract, I could get Spencer to rip it up and then I wouldn't be on the hook for any of it. Good luck finding it. (laughs) (laughs) It really is, though, that as a manager and a leader, if I set an expectation and I've stated I expect X and the team member gives X and that's all I've said then I can't complain if X doesn't look exactly how it looked in my head because I didn't tell them that. And so this is, I think, at the heart of what it means to learn the skill of giving ownership. We can't give you a step-by-step for how to give ownership to a team member so you don't have to give them step-by-steps, right? It's a process of actually giving you ownership over the relationship to give ownership to a team member. I don't know if that made it more clear or less clear. Jill saved me from say, myself. I was going to say, it sounds a little redundant, but it, it's totally true because we have to be willing. If, honestly, it all comes back to control. Mm. Right? We have to be willing to give ownership of the control. And giving ownership of the control means that we have to be willing to give up our ownership mm-hmm. of said control. Or maybe it's not about giving up our ownership and it's more about changing what we perceive we have ownership over. Because 
as a leader and as a manager, I have ownership over the responsibility of making sure my team is empowered, of creating space for them to make decisions, of creating clear expectations. That's something that I own. I own the responsibility for setting my team up for success. What I don't own the responsibility for is their execution of that. They need to be responsible for how they execute. And then if we give them that opportunity to own that how, you'd be surprised what they can do with that. Yeah. And how much further they can get than you were thinking. Yeah. And I am... I'm really looking forward to the conversation that we're going to have in our next episode because we're going to turn the mic over to one of our clients who has had just absolutely phenomenal success in terms of empowering team, giving ownership to the team, and also having the experience of going through and being given more ownership because we're not going to be interviewing one of our clients who is the founder and owner of the business. Instead, we've decided to interview one of their team managers who's now a manager of other people and get them to tell us all the ins and outs of being given ownership and of how to give ownership to others. Yeah, it's gonna be a lot of fun. I've loved working with this manager inside our client's business and the changes and strides and watching her growth and her grow her team have been phenomenal. So this will be really exciting. I think it's going to be really unique. This isn't a kind of interview that I've heard of before um, on a podcast. So I, I think we're going to have a lot of fun. All right. So that's going to be coming next time on the next episode of the Visionary CEO Podcast. See you soon. Thanks for listening to the Visionary CEO Podcast, hosted and produced by Brian Dick and Jill Giovanazzo. For more information about anything you've heard on the show, visit us on the web at visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast. You can keep the conversation going on social media too. Just use the hashtag Visionary CEO Podcast. This has been a Podcast Taxi radio production for the Visionary CEO Academy. Hey there, it's Jill. We just wanted to take a moment to let you know that everything we've been talking about in today's episode is part of what we do with our clients in the Visionary CEO Academy. Our programs and masterminds are some of the most advanced business leadership opportunities out there and are designed specifically to help strategists, coaches, and other online business owners like yourself scale your business to seven figures and beyond quickly, sustainably, and profitably. But most importantly, by keeping your values and your vision front and center. So whenever you're ready, just head on over to visionaryceoacademy.com slash podcast for more information and to get started. Can't wait to see you there.